Listener Production. This is Footy Talk. It is your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or listener, then please hit the like button, leave us a nice review or a rating and we've got new episodes that is dropping every day at lunchtime. Today on Footy Talk, we whip around the grounds to get you up to date with everything that we've seen from round eight so far. We'll start with the rivalry match between the Dogs and the Giants at Marnica Oval. All the action from Optus Stadium where Frio took on the Hawks and a whole lot more. That's all to come on Footy Talk. G'day, this is Footy Talk Around the Grounds. We're here at Monica Oval where the Giants took on the Western Bulldogs in another spirited match between these two. Jack Heverin alongside the 150-gamer for the Swans, Troy Luff. Luffy, it was a very competitive game, this one, but one that the Dogs found a way to win. It was, and in conditions that we thought were really going to turn it into a scrappy game, it was quite open. Uh, it wasn't as probably contested as what we thought it would be. We didn't see enough pressure from both sides at times. And in the end, I think the Bulldogs, they, they just kept their arm in front, I guess, of the Giants and just kept holding them off a little bit, just enough. The Giants came back in the last quarter, got within eight points, surprisingly, after being 30-odd down at three-quarter time. And in the end, it was just the Bulldogs. Just, I think, a little bit more experience. Their forward line worked a lot better than what the Giants did, and they actually made the most of their shots at goal. The Giants missed too many goals. 12 points the difference at halftime. Bulldogs got it out to 33 points at three-quarter time. We'll talk about the Giants charging home late, but how much would they love to get that third quarterback, GWS? Is that where Adam Kingsley will start his review, do you think? Well, if you look at the third quarter, the Giants had more inside 50s than they did the Bulldogs. They had shots at goal that either points or didn't even score. The way that they kicked it into the forward line, it just played into the Bulldogs' hand. Tim, Tim English sat in the same spot every single time, and they kicked it on his head every single Now, if you're going to rely on the smalls to get the ball to, to snap goals, that's not how you're going to win games. They needed to start opening up, spread it to the other side, find the targets inside forward 50. And absolutely, they'd want to play that differently if they had their chance. So then we go into the fourth quarter. Adam Kingsley throws the game wide open. Yep. They make a couple of changes, and embrace an aggressive kind of mindset in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They kicked the first four goals and at one stage they had it back to nine points. Yeah. Eight points, the difference, I should say. Well, they even started Stephen Keneally out full forward and they thought we'll change things around. Jesse mm. Hogan was a lone hand in the forward line. He ended up with 16 disposals and kicked a couple of goals that they just didn't get any other marking options and all of a sudden, Tom Green, bang, bang, two goals in the space of a minute and then what they were doing was getting it in quick by not bombing it to the same spot and it opened it up more and, as you said, eight points. We, we, we'd written them off at three-quarter time. We were thinking, how much are the Dogs going to win by? Let's start with the Bulldogs because they were winners. You're a big fan of Tim English's game yep. tonight. He was in the votes. What did you see that you liked? Well, he had 23 disposals. As a ruckman, 23 disposals is pretty good. And if you're if you averaging, even just get to 20 is great. But he had 39 hitouts. He took 10 marks, contested possession. He just got in the way of every sortie that the Giants, when they went forward, just stood in the same spot. But not only that, he helps set up goals mm. by moving from defence into the forward line as well. He just has a big tank. He just he doesn't stop running. Is he one of the best ruckmen in the competition now, do you think? I think if you talk about what he does, not as a ruckman, but as a player. like he's As a, an on-baller. He's a yeah. great ruckman, yes, but he's a great player because he's so agile, he's so mobile, he can offer so much more than just a hit-out, which, you know, today's day and age, you can't just do hit-outs anymore. 
you've got to be able to get a kick around the ground and take marks. That hurt the Giants because once Flynn went out of the ruck, they couldn't win the hitouts to start with, and they had to struggle. They had to take Himmelberg out of the forward line, use him as a ruckman. Himmelberg was was good around the ground, but he didn't win many hitouts. And what English was doing was pretty much putting it down the throat of his midfielders. You gave the three votes to Marcus Bonsimpelli, best yep. player on the ground on Triple M footy. He was absolutely. He had 32 disposals. But, I mean, a, a lot of times you, you can't look at disposals and say because he had the most, he was the best. But he had 32 disposals of those 26 contested possessions. He just threw himself into the game. He was at he was at every contest, got those really little handballs out of packs that opened up the play, kicked a goal, and you could just see he, he was on well, I shouldn't say that. He wasn't on to start with. The mm. first probably twenty minutes it took him a while to get going, but once he did, that was it. He 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 was the best. So the win now Makes it five out of the last six for the Western Bulldogs. They've yep. moved themselves up to seventh spot on the ladder. Their next four weeks, they've got Carlton next Saturday, Adelaide in Ballarat, where the Bulldogs yep. always play yep. well, the Gold Coast away, and then Geelong at Marvel Stadium. So it's a very interesting month for well, Luke Beveridge and his boys. It is. And looking at the ladder now, it it's already tightening up. So the Bulldogs' percentage is going to hurt them. So even though they've won five games, they're still under 100%. Now, that's going to hurt them because Port Adelaide, who have yet to play, their percentage is just over 100. But if they win, all of a sudden it's a game up. St Kilda, their percentage is 30 more, and they're on the same points, and they've played a game less. So it's going to hurt. They they need to win. And tonight, they could have actually pushed themselves above that 100 if they continued on into the last quarter. It's just... it's. It's good that you can look at a year, look at the calendar and go, this is not just the eight set it after round 10. It, it, it's going to come down like last year to the last round. And I reckon the Bulldogs, though, are a top eight side. The one negative for them, though, is Adam Trelaw. Injured a yep. hamstring in the third quarter, grabbed it straight away at centre-half back. Yep. We'll have to wait and see what the scan He knew like. he did it because as soon as he went to the contest, I actually said, oh, Trelaw's done his hand because he just put his hand up. But the thing is, he wasn't in pain. He didn't have to get carried off the field. He didn't limp off. He actually walked off at his own steam without a limp. So... Those sort of ones, it's just a little flick. You can feel it. I've had, I've had every footballer's had it, and it might only be well at AFL level. It might be two weeks, mm. possibly, because it wasn't a tear. It, if it was a tear, he would have get carried off. He'd be limping. So it might be just a little flick, little twinge, and he might have come off just because he thought, you know what? If I try and do this or keep running, it could get worse. And for GWS, Toby Green was the laid out tonight with the leg injury. So I guess we have to wait and see what happens next there as well. And that. Having him out of the, the the game didn't provide that spark in the forward line. Like he's a danger, so players worry about him. Without him in there, it just it there just wasn't that spark. And so losing him, it may have even cost them a game not having him out there. Whether it's only one week or or could be two weeks, we'll have to wait and see. But as a captain and as a leader, more so than a ca- he he's a leader on that field. They need him back out there. Luffy, nicely done by you. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Listener and you like what Luffy's bringing to the table, then hit the button, which is the like button, and leave us a review or a rating. Leave Luffy a nice review. He'll go please, back and read please, it. Please. New episodes are landing every day at lunchtime. On the other side of this, we'll hand it over to the guys at Optus Stadium who are going to take us through the Dockers and their big win over the Hawks.
Well, it was an entertaining game of footy tonight here at Optus Stadium. You're back for the footy talk around the grounds here at Optus. Uh, it was the Dockers up against the Hawks X-Band. And uh, in the end, the Dockers were very impressive. Best we've seen of them so far this season. Yeah, 69 points uh, in their favour tonight. I thought the first half... Hawthorne shot themselves in the foot. I mean, centre clearances uh, were 13-2 to two there at one period of time. Uh, they just couldn't get the ball deep enough inside 50 off those clearances and just allowed Fremantle to slingshot the other way. I think the Fremantle Dockers have been um, slaughtered, I guess, for taking the ball movement so slow throughout the first six or seven rounds of the season. And tonight they were given the opportunity to bounce pretty quick out of defence and... Uh, Went down and all the forwards got involved, especially Luke Jackson. He had a big night, you know, with the footy, of course, but also the smalls got involved. And, of course, and Nat Fife uh, with the hot dog at the end as well after a bit of theatre not warming up with the group and wearing the tracksuit. But uh, it was good to see the champ uh, get through the game as well. We'll talk about him in detail. The final score here, the Dockers 18-9-117, the Hawks 7-6-48. A couple of goals, in fact, three goals for Michael Frederick and also three goals for Jai Amos. But Fife was all the talk, X, and you mentioned that uh, he pretty much did not warm up pre-game. He was the sub coming into this game. Didn't do anything. In fact, we were taking the mickey all night thinking he wasn't even actually going to turn up and actually go onto the ground. But then midway through the third term, uh, he sort of launched himself onto the ground. The crowd went crazy, and yeah. it was uh, pretty big from then on. There's always a bit of theatre behind the champ, isn't there? I mm. mean, a two-time Brownlow medalist had a wretched run with injuries over the last couple of seasons. But uh, we're actually sitting here watching him do extra skills out in the oval. Poor old Tendai's doing a lot of running at the yeah. moment. He hasn't <laughs> hit the target for a couple at the moment. But <laughs> uh, no, it's great to see Ted Disposals played about a quarter and a half. Didn't come off once he was on. Uh, went in the midfield, went forward. I think that's the perfect blend for him too, Locke, after all the talk about him playing forward. Uh, I think maybe 60-40 forward um, because Sarong and has taken his game to another level. Brayshaw's Brayshaw. Um, Sean Darcy's in there as well, obviously giving first use of the ball to those guys. So if they can avoid him being in there too long, I think that's probably the best thing for the side because... Uh, Josh Tracy was subbed off tonight and uh, never missed kick three. But, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from those young guys each and every week. But at least if you know Fifey's down there, that he's probably going to read the play. He's going to bring the ball to ground. And I know the opposing coach is going to have a plan or at least be quite concerned with where Nat Fife stands. Plantar fasciitis, that's what he's returning uh, from. Hasn't played since round one. Uh, do you, you obviously give it a tick. I mean, that's a, a big tick, the fact that he got through, got a few possessions. Now it's how he pulls up during the week because you've, yeah. you've had plantar well, fasciitis. I think, I think a, a, a lot of players have it from some sort of high level where it eventually snaps. Uh, Andrew Embley, who called the game with us tonight, he's snapped. Um, you played through with a pain, though. No, no. Oh, but you, you got so, it. So it's, there's obviously levels, and you can tape it, and it's actually pretty effective underneath the arch of your foot. But, um, look, it, it's more of a uh, stabbing pain, I guess. Like, you can't put your foot put the weight through the foot or anything like that. So uh, he's doing extra work out there tonight, and it's a fair bit of work. He's still mm. going. And what are we, half an hour after the game, yeah. probably? So uh, he's only doing that, I guess, with... Um, the idea of playing a full game or being available to play a full game uh, as of next week against Sydney at the SCG. So we move on from Fife. Uh, good to see him playing and uh, back, hopefully, as you said, he gets a full game next week and uh, has an injury-free run for the rest of the season because it's been a shocker uh, over the past two years. In- injuries uh, happen and it's, it's, uh, I don't really feel sorry for people to get injured as part of the game. But yep. when the champ yeah. gets done a few times, like you think just a bit of luck because... There's no better player to watch in the game. We spoke about it in the call. One of the Twitter feeds was running a, a questionnaire. You know, what was the great, the best one-on-one battle you've seen? And of course, um, 
you know, the recent one that people were referring to was the five feet danger field at Adelaide Oval when danger was still at the Crows. That's the stuff we want to see. He's both not, had over 40 possessions. Oh, 14, one had 14 inside 50s, yeah. one had only 14 <laughs> tackles, and one kicked a couple of goals or something. But anyway, it'd be great. He's not at that level anymore. And he actually looks, when he was out there today, he looked a little bit older than, you know, he's, he's aging. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's still got the pieces of brilliance that we'll see. And uh, if he can win him maybe one or two games with his own individual performances, well, it's not four or five like he probably did back in the the golden era. But, um, you know, it's important to, to keep him in that side. And speaking of Luke Jackson after the game, half those young kids probably idolised him. Going yeah, there. absolutely. Talk about Luke Jackson. Uh, that's his best game for the Dockers. I like that uh, segue, mate. Yeah, that's I like it. Thank you I'm reading much. a bit of paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very nice work. Uh, Luke Jackson, impressive numbers X-Man, have a look at this. For for a big ruckman that did get a bit of a taste in the midfield as a ruck rover, but he had 24 disposals, uh, which is really uh, impressive. Six marks, very good around the ground. He finished with two goals as well. No, big game, and I think they're starting to work the balance out. I'd, you've got Grundy and Gorn at yep. um, Melbourne, who are both were for a long period of time the best and the second best, whichever way you order you want to put them in. Uh, ruckman in the competition... And they're trying to make it work. I don't think it was working here for a period of time. I think now they've worked out that Sean Darcy needs to be the man uh, doing the majority. And Luke Jackson needs to find a way to fit in. Uh, And he has tonight with 24 disposals and two goals. And seven tackles as well, which was the second most on the ground for... uh, well, the third most with Andy Brayshaw and Erasmus having eight apiece. So he's uh, seven's a good effort, too, on the ground. Did Fremantle sell themselves to you tonight? Like, is there any hope that they could sneak into finals? They've got a tough nah, three weeks, nah, haven't nah, they? Nah, nah. No, tonight was Melbourne. nice. Yeah. But Hawthorne on the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. So tell me about the Hawks. As a Hawks champion and a premiership Shut player, no, seriously. Take it the piss lock. <laughs> I want to know, what did, what did you make of them tonight? They, they were ordinary, but... They'll we plus, put up they with were that. plus 10 inside. Fit. No, they, they'll be bitterly disappointed with that yep. performance. Uh, they just they had one part of the ground absolutely humming. It was the midfield out of the centre. But they couldn't convert centre clearances to at least get a secondary stoppage in the forward line. They were too shallow putting it inside 50. And unfortunately for um, you know, Hawthorne supporters, the ball just bounced down and went down the other end so quickly. Uh, they were dominant out of the centre. Well, they started the game so well. He ended with 26 touches and seven clearances. But... Um, I think they were all probably beaten. I don't think that uh, Sam Mitchell have too many highlights, especially after halftime. They did have uh, plus 10 inside 50 at halftime, I think it was, but only 14 in the second half. So uh, a tough day to be a forward. And they let themselves down in defence a few times. Sicily gave away a 50 in the first half. The big frost man, he gave away a 50 as well. Uh, there was all sorts of bits and pieces like that. That uh, you know, When you're at bottom end of the ladder side that... You're not good enough to give away free goals. So, um, you know, they've got to pull that in a little bit. So I love how they play on the edge, but it probably went over the edge early a couple of times. And that was the the gap that Fremantle grabbed from the start and they could never get any closer than that two or three goal margin early. All righty. Uh, that about wraps it up, I reckon. We've spoken yeah, time, enough about these two teams. Stubby, <laughs> I'll let you go in just a moment. Uh, if you've got a question for us, get on the Instagram at footytalk underscore pod. Uh, TikTok. Are you a TikTok man? No. To, no, 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 I don't mind browsing. Pull. No, okay. I don't have an account, but I'll, I'll cast the eyes. Uh, at Footy Talk Pod. Uh, tomorrow, Daisy Thomas, Jay Clark, Abby Holmes, uh, they'll be on deck. and they'll Oh, the big dogs. The whole, yeah, the, we're just the minor. The, the, oh, the on yeah. The little fish before they get stuck into the big salmon and the barramundi. Uh, that wraps it up. It was the Dockers winners by 69 points, 18-9-1-17. They defeated the Hawks 7-6-48.
Listener.